The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Miami Marlins, which of course has Sandy Alcantara, and that's a wonderful thing. If you don't know what I'm doing, I'm going through all 30 starting pitching rotations in baseball as we prepare for the 2023 season and the launch of PL8 arriving on February 7th. 2023. Um, I am recording this in uh, in December, so there are things that could be different by the time you hear it. I will edit it by the end of the podcast if it does, uh, but we have a full rotation for the Miami Marlins. We have some question marks at the end of it. It's all fun stuff, uh, and of course, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and of course, if you don't have PL Plus, what are you doing? Go get PL Plus. We also have a really fun thing, PL Pro, coming later uh, for PL8. I'm really excited to share more about that at PitchCon later this month. But all right, let's talk about the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara, 14 wins last year, 228 innings on the docket, 228 ERA as well, 0.98 whip, uh, 30, 23% K rate, and a 6% walk rate. I love Sandy Alcantara. I know some people are going to be saying, look, he just barely got over 200 strikeouts, about 207, and he's going to throw fewer innings next year. I don't really want to go for him at the beginning of my draft because of this. He's going to be worse in the ERA and whip department. I get that completely. I have him as my number three because the man is more consistent than the other ones below him. I'm terribly phrasing this. What I'm trying to say is that the other ones have injury questions. You have Shane McClanahan, you have Max Scherzer, you have... Justin Verlander is way lower for me, but still, uh, you have um, Jacob deGrom. You have a lot of these guys that have injury questions heading, heading into 2023. Sandy Alcantara is a workhorse, and there's something about that that I think you should be drafting as a floor if you're going to go for a pitcher in the top three rounds. The strikeout numbers also could go up. There's a 23% K rate last year. I know that his fastballs do generate outs early in counts a lot with the changeup, but there's still more that he can do uh, with his command overall, especially also the slider. They can turn into a 25-26% strikeout rate, essentially Zach Wheeler-esque stuff. So I'm all for this. You have a lovely floor as an SP1. You know where you're going to get. You cash it in. I'd rather go for Burns and Cole because they don't have the same injury risk as the other others, and they have a much higher strikeout rate, can pretty much have the same ratios too as Sandy Alcantara. You can talk about Cole's home run problem all you want, um, but uh, the, both of them should go in the same direction or toward the middle, right, of Alcantara's ERA getting worse and Cole's getting better. With Sandy Alcantara, though, he throws super hard. He has a filthy changeup, amazing slider. 
it's all good stuff. He has a 14% swing strike rate. I love Sandy Alcantara. The wins, we all were worried about the wins. And when you know he got 14 of them because he just kept going so deep into games, it was hard for him not to get them. It should be over double digits. Maybe he doesn't go 14, but it should still be good uh, for your fantasy squads. Pablo Lopez is a very interesting one, though. And I've gone back and forth about how I feel about Pablo Lopez. And as of December 21st, this is how I feel. I am not going to be drafting Pablo Lopez. He had a 10-10 record last year, 180 innings, 375 ERA, 117 whip, 24% K rate, and a 7% walk rate. How we normally talk about pitchers entering the next year is if it's beneficial um, to, to get rid of their April starts, we do so. Rarely do we do the opposite. And with Pablo Lopez, after May 18th, he had this amazing beginning of the year, about six starts or so, had allowed maybe like five earned runs, six earned runs, something like that. He had a 4-6 ERA with a 128 whip across his final 137 innings. That is startling. He's a four-seamer changeup guy. He does have a slider, sorry, a cutter or a curveball. And they're not exceptional pitches. The cutter gets crushed a ton. He throws it in the zone 70% of the time. It was a 70% strike rate, I should say. Got crushed, and then the curve doesn't get enough strikes. And it's just, what are you doing, right? This isn't it. Um, the changeup can be amazing. The fastball command can be great. And there's a feeling that Pablo Lopez should be better than 375 that he had this past year. 117 whip. But it was really tough through the year. And the way I see it is I don't think that Pablo Lopez is going to be 180 innings again. He's had a lot of injury problems in the past with his shoulder. He pitched through the year this year, which is great. Seems like that's not something he's built to do. Uh, so if you take away that SP1, SP2 ceiling because of the innings pitched and the uh, the lack of third pitch that he's been trying to get for years and just can't put that together, then it does feel like, wait, you're, if I'm not going to get an SP1, SP2, I'm hoping for an SP3 out of this. While the floor is what we saw for 137 at frames last year, 460 array and 128 whip, I don't want to go for that when there are a lot more exciting guys around where he's going in drafts. So I find myself pushing away from it, not to mention the the Marlins, the beginning of that rotation is going to have to face the Mets twice early. Uh, it's Mets, Twins, Mets, Phillies, I believe, are the first four series for, uh, for the Marlins. So I don't want to start Pablo Lopez against this Mets team that just got Carlos Correa in the middle of the night. Watch, he's going to fail another physical before this podcast goes out and he won't be a Met. But you understand the point I'm trying to make is that Pablo Lopez's going to be an uneasy start to play and he has to go around like the 150th pick or so in your draft? No. I'd rather chase someone else at the moment. I do think he's going to be 12 team relevant through the year. I'm not saying I don't want him on any of my teams. It's just like I think you have to pay a little bit too much and I'd rather want Jesus Lazardo. and I'll talk about him after this break. Jesus Lazardo had a 332 ERA, 104 whip and a 30% K last year. I know when win total was only at four. Only 100 innings pitched, and you don't know how much to believe in it. Also, the 9% walk rate, and uh, you know the injuries, the the consistency, the whole thing is just, what are we going to get from Jesus Lazardo? I believe in this. He threw harder at the beginning of the year. He was the guy to pick up at the beginning of the year before that injury. And he didn't throw as hard. It was 96 by the end of the year when he did return from injury, but the changeup was really great in the, in the breaking ball. I don't want to say curveball. Maybe it's a slider curveball. Whatever it is was also excellent. The sinker and fastball have generally been the weakness. Uh, 
I do like at times how he's able to command that sinker and there are times of the four seamer that dominates as well. I think there's enough here for me to say, yes, he's going to have a 25% plus strikeout rate. Yes, his whip is going to be better than 120. And yes, his ERA isn't going to be a startling four plus, right? I, I think I can lean on that for Jesus Lazardo. And for me, that's huge. You get a guy that has a 30% strikeout rate or, or tantalizing strikeout rate with upside for those ratios of 332 and 104. And it's really injury holding him back when you don't need to get him as your SP3. I'm, ooh, I'm in on this. I, I think Jesus Lazardo's talent is excellent. Uh, if I have to get this in the you know 12th round or so after I get my Joe Ryan pick, who we'll talk about soon. Yeah, I think uh, I think Luzardo can be a difference maker for your teams, someone you're excited for every single week. Really, the downside is if he's hurt. And at this point, everybody's going to have some warts to them. I think the skill set is good enough. He proved it over the full year, uh, or the 100 innings that he pitched. He also proved at the end of 2021. We should be not questioning that anymore, but instead, just is he healthy enough? The win total, I understand. You do want to pair it with someone that is more win potential later on if you can still Jesus Lazardo, I'm all in on that one Trevor Rogers went four and 11 last year pitched 107 innings with a 547 ERA and a 1.5 whip I know horrible I don't think his four seamer was that different the changeup wasn't getting enough swings out of the zone that was a huge deal about 10 point drop that led to the giant seven point drop in swing strike rate I think that really was the major difference. There's an argument to be made that Trevor Rogers has only been good for about two months in 2021. And then the middle of June for the rest of the year, very meh, uh, 136 whip with an 886 ERA. After that, he didn't go six innings once in that time. And there's a lot of things to be said at the, at the moment for his personal life getting in the way. He never got into a rhythm. What I'm trying to say is that Trevor Rogers is not getting drafted as a sustainable starter for your teams right now. I think it was the 18th round in the PL mock draft that Trevor Rogers went, which was a great time to do it because that's your pure upside stuff. And you're going to see early on if Trevor Rogers has this. I don't think he's this bad. Um, there is certainly that ceiling of him being that magnificent starter for two months. It's about his fastball command inside and about getting those changeups, uh, changeup chases out of the zone. He's 25 next year. I'm kind of in on that um, late in the draft. Don't overlook this. Don't lean too heavily into it. If you have too much risk already, there might be some safer plays for you to go for. And not to mention, if he's the number four, you don't want to start him against the Mets in the first weekend. Uh, But if he's the number five, I'm okay against the Twins, especially if he has a good spring training. Edward Cabrera is also in that mix a little bit. Um, He would be the number four, number five for the Marlins. I like Cabrera more than Trevor Rogers. What we saw last year, 301 uh, ERA with a 107 whip, 71 innings, 26% K rate, 11% walk rate. Um, But it's strange from Edward Cabrera how he does this. Normally when you have a high walk rate, it means that the secondaries have nothing for strikes and you really have to rely too much on the fastball, right? It's the opposite. All of his secondary pitches, Edward Cabrera's curveball, his slider, his changeup, have strike rates above 60%. His four-seamer had a 50% strike rate, and I think that's fixable. I think that that can change. Speaking of the change, 91 mile per hour to 96 velocity. It is insanely good, and he throws it about a third of the time. I think you can see Edward Cabrera's walk rate go down to 8%, and it will be volatile. It will be a little bit Cherry Bomb-esque here as he loses his command on a given day. Yes, 
Roto Leagues, I'm in for the season. Head-to-head might be a little bit more frustrating to roster, but I do think the strikeout rate is real. His stuff is just so filthy. Um, Irene Whip might be closer to 4 and 120, but I want to take the chance. I know where Cabrera, if I can, I may, it may be tough in the first two weeks. It might be a case where you can pick up Edward Cabrera off the waiver wire after he doesn't do well against the Mets. Um, but I, I think that overall for the full season, you will be happy with Edward Cabrera. Sixto Sanchez is also another one to consider at the end of your drafts. We haven't seen Sixto since 2020. And this is something I encourage the entire offseason that you guys should be thinking about is that it's not a best ball league. And the last pick of your draft should be someone that you're quickly dropping and you're taking a spec add on uh, for your fantasy leagues to find out more. And when it's Sixto Sanchez, where the ceiling is great, it's just about health. Why wouldn't you want to take someone like that? Last year was Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg didn't pitch and you dropped him and that was fine. This year it's Sixto Sanchez. And if you don't know him, he throws 96 plus uh, with a legit changeup and a legit slider. There you go. Uh, he looked really nice in 2020. Shoulder issues in the last two years. He's supposed to be good for spring training. You draft him now, see how spring goes. If you dro- want to drop him, by all means. But he's Mr. Irrelevant right now. I got him in the last round of my mock draft. There's no harm here. Now, there's also the conversation, is he even going to start for the Marlins? Maybe not. And then you drop him. It's your last pick of the draft. This is what they're made for. <laughs> uh, if he does start, this is something to monitor across all the Miami star- starters. Is going to be Rodgers, Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, maybe Braxton Garrett. If Sixto Sanchez is starting for the Marlins out of the gate, I want him everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And then there's Braxton Garrett, who threw 88 pitches, uh, 80 innings last year. So close. A 3.58 ERA, 1.25 whip, 24% K rate, 6% walk rate. Braxton Garrett was a guy last year that we streamed effectively. He had two 11 strikeout games against the Pirates and the Reds. And there's something to that. He has a curveball that swoops in for a nice called strike early, a harder slider at 84, that there were some terrible swings by the Washington Nationals on these pitches down and into righties, which I love to see. I love left-handers going down and into righties, and I love righties throwing down and into left-handers. Braxton Garrett does have that ability. And if he gets regular starts somehow, if the Marlins trade away somebody and then someone gets injured and all of a sudden Garrett is their number four, number five through the year, he could be a pickup that you just kind of hold on to. I don't expect that to happen. I would say if it does, it would happen in May and June. And it could just be someone that we're streaming through the year when he does face these weaker teams. I don't think that Braxton Garrett has enough in his repertoire to really be that solid arm that's like your league winner or anything close to that not to mention there's Yuri Perez who's going to be 20 this year at some point and he is the greatest thing ever apparently so (laughs) this seems like a stopgap before he gets his opportunity maybe he leapfrogs Garrett if Garrett isn't doing good things out of the gate so as far as your 12 teamers to go you don't need to worry about Garrett now 15 teamers probably not either because he's a pickup in season But when he does, I'm not going to rule out Braxton Garrett being an impact for your fantasy teams. So the Miami Marlins actually added another starting pitcher. I didn't think they would do this. And that was Johnny Cueto. Last year, 8-10 record, 158 innings, 335 ERA, a 123 whip, and about a 16% carry. And that's generous. It was a 15.7% walk rate. We called it Cueto Magic last year as he did it for the White Sox. 
And for a guy with a really low strikeout rate, he did a good job of getting whiffs with his four-seamer. Against right-handers, he had about a 14% swing strike rate. It was 15% for. For lefties, he elevated with a tent with it. But I don't know really if I like anything else. Uh, the sinker jammed batters inside a lot, but he did make mistakes with it over the, the middle of the plate. The slider and cutter are both really mediocre. The changeup was good against right-handers. Uh, but Cueto didn't do a good job of repeating them against lefties in the same way. It's essentially Cueto squeezing the most out of his repertoire. And it worked, and we were all like, all right, I guess this is working for the White Sox last year. Now he goes to the Marlins, and all I'm thinking is, well, the offense is worse. Uh, This can't be as good as it was last year, 335 ERA again for Cueto, right? He's got to be better. Or sorry, he's got to be worse than that. So you're going to get a worse ERA in whip likely for Cueto, and then the strikeout rate should be kind of the same. Yeah, that's not right. You leave this off the board. Uh, what really this means, though, is I think the Marlins are going to do something like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Zardos are one, two, three. You have Cueto as the four. So then Trevor Rogers likely is the five, right? That's what we all expect. But as the five, instead of getting the Mets for the first four games, he would get the Twins. Now, literally earlier, what, 30 minutes ago, Correa is signing with the Twins. I mean, pending physical, but it seems like that's going to happen. So that is a stronger offense. So the talk we had about Trevor Rogers before, uh, maybe I don't really want to start him even against the Twins now because Correa is there and it's a little bit tougher lefty versus righty as well. It's a little bit worse for, for Trevor Rogers. I don't think I want to do that. So now with Edward Cabrera, I think you fall off of my lists. Uh, I'm not going after Edward Cabrera. You're not going to be starting for the Marlins out of the game unless they make a trade. And maybe they do. And I have to update this again if there is a trade. That actually hasn't been something that's happened yet. Uh, so hopefully not. <laughs> but if there's a trade, then Edward Cabrera comes back into it. Sixo Sanchez is turning not into a last inning stash anymore because it does seem... Most likely that if he is looking good, he's in the pen to start the year. I mean, there's no way that Trevor Rogers isn't getting the number five spot at this point. And then the, the whole rotation is filled up. Um, Braxton Garrett, yeah, you just can't be drafting him, right? So it's shocking that Cueto is a Marlin. Uh, I, I don't really love it for him. But if you're in a quality start league, like the Marlins are going to let him go six innings. They're just going to let him do it. So I can understand maybe going for that at the end of the draft there, but... For everybody else, this is a Toby with a low strikeout rate for a not-winning ball club. That is a tough, tough sell. All right, that is it for this edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these 15-minute, small, bite-sized podcasts covering every single starting pitcher in the major leagues. Make sure to go get PL Plus and, in the near future, PL Pro, which is very exciting. You can check that out at PitchCon, which starts on Wednesday uh, January 25th through the 28th. It's four straight days. We're actually going to make it 100% to charity to the ALS Association. I hope you can be there. You can go to tw- uh, pitchlist.com slash pitchcon to watch it or just twitch.tv slash pitcherlist. But that's it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock and may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.